Listener Production. G'day, it's Rusty here, all set for part two of my podcast with Owen Kelly, an Aussie racer with a deep passion for the American scene, especially NASCAR. This is quite a yarn that I know you'll enjoy over the summer holiday off-season when it dropped in our library. Now, if you've arrived here for some reason before checking out part one, do not pass go, do not collect $200, head straight back to the garage library and give it a listen. There's some fun recollections in there of his time as a junior in Karts in Tasmania where he grew up and the powerful influence his dad's speedway career had on him, not to mention tracking down one of his father Chaz's signature cars and the authentic restoration work he and his brother Christian especially did on it. Plus, gripping recollections of a crash that nearly ended Owen's career before it even started. I know he's particularly grateful to the doctors and rescue crews that day and how changes at Phillip Island in the wake of Greg Hansford's fatal crash certainly helped save Owen's life. We begin part two by talking about how he learned about the business of racing in his teens and in typical Kelly fashion, it was hands-on learning. It really started in 98 with the Formula Ford because Dad helped me into, the, into it, but then, right, you've got to go and find the money to run it. And so what are you doing here? Because there's no, no internet or not much internet. You're probably ringing people and oh, trying to, yeah. Like, I wish I had the uh, energy <laughs> that, I, that I had then because I was just wearing people out on the phone and um, just by hook or by crook. It was, an, it was a game of numbers. So, at some point, someone's going to say yes. Okay. And then... <laughs> Then so I'll, I'll keep ringing. I'll keep ringing. Yeah, so I'd go down to Snap Printing and put together these um, proposals. Well, actually, just let me say, I'll go back. Um, I had no idea about proposals and what should be in them and how you do all these things. But the a huge benefit that I had in '98 being in the Young Lions was um, Brock was still around, mm-hmm. and uh, I got to um, I got to go and go to Brock's house one night and. Sit in the kitchen with him and Bev, and fantastic, um, which I look back on now as a a, a great memory. Mm. And uh, how that happened, I got um, ninety seven was his last year at HRT. Um, I had a Falcon Ute, and I'd moved in. I'd moved to Port Melbourne. And I was living with Simon Hardwich, that was owned the Formula Ford. And Scott Dixon lived just around the corner. And um, unlike today, <laughs> Scott didn't like getting out of bed to go and train. <laughs> And one of my jobs was to go and get him out of bed and uh, get him up on the bike. And not that I was any... Um, now he's like a rowing machine king, mate. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he's a different <laughs> bloke. But um, we, uh, it was quite funny because he was younger too, you know, and he was on this program that had him on and um, having to um, lie about his age and smuggle him into the saloon in Turak Road on a Tuesday night with the other Formula Ford blokes. <laughs> Uh, and I can tell you, Scott Dixon hasn't changed from those days then. To really? Now. He's still in personality? Was, yeah, no, he's yeah, still the same bloke. Love it. Same yeah. bloke. I must great, get him on. I must get him on guy. at some stage. Yeah, keep going. But uh, I had this Ford Ute and it got stolen literally two blocks from where we're sitting here. Really? Parked on the street. Hmm. Couldn't believe it. Come out and it was right there. <laughs> it was right there. I don't know if you've ever had a car stolen, but it was oh, quite yeah, a surreal thing. Very, very, it was literally right <laughs> there. <laughs> now it's not. <laughs> but um, there was this white 
club sport sitting at HRT. Hadn't moved for weeks. And I totally couldn't afford it. But clever me says to Jeff Gritch, what's going on with that club sport? <laughs> oh, that was Brock's company car. We just He's just dropped it off. We haven't done anything with it yet. So are they going to sell it? Or he said, oh, yeah, probably. Go and talk to Creno and... Um, so I go and talk to John Crennan and he says, oh yeah, yeah, we can do you a bit of a deal on that. And uh, so I buy it, put it on the drip and stupidest thing I did as far as, you know. Business. <laughs> yeah, as far as, uh, it definitely wasn't in the budget, but it was, it was. Um, but far out, I got Brock's car, how could have I Brock's going? Car, yeah, and Had to be done. So then, and the cheek of me, right, so then I ring Peter Brock up. Hey, Peter, would you mind? And it's, I'm not trying to make money. I'm not selling it. I'm not doing anything. But it'd be really cool if um, if you would um, sign a, a bit of paper that this was your car. Car, yeah. Because it's in the cool factor, you know. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, no problem. So just, just uh, when do you want to do it? Just come up to the house. I thought, whenever suits you. And organised a time and went up there and... And I'm straight out of, I've literally been in Melbourne for three months, green as, yeah. believed everything that everyone told me. <laughs> um, but he was awesome. He said, now what's going on there with this Young Lions thing and this and that and what are you doing with this and what are you doing with that? And so I'm telling him and he's like, right, well, this is what's going to happen. They're going to say this, but they're going to do that. And then this is going to happen. Then that's going to, and just mapped it all out. And he was not all bad. I'm not. No, 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 no. But but, but helps you immensely. Is, oh yeah, yeah. it was all exactly like he said it was going to happen, and um, so that was that was really cool. And um, was it a bit of mentoring advice? What was that that he gave you? What did he tell you? Yeah, it was it was more that um, more the politics side of it than anything, and um, and what and I'm sure that he could see that I was as green as. Um, that stuff drive you mad even now, mate? Because you just want to go racing, you know, all that bullshit, all the... all the Yeah, you know, politics does, but, yeah, mm. but probably more when I say politics, I probably should say it was probably more the um, just the business side of it and um, and so on. But I think where we were headed with that was the, the business side of it. It was at the start of 98 that I realised when I was doing a few of these little deals that people had to have invoices. They couldn't just hand you money. So, yes. so it was... <laughs> Oh, right. So I've got to go and set up a business then. Which, yeah. um, so I got that all started and set all of that up and then basically um, ran that whole... Um, Professionally. That, yeah, and then I didn't know how to do a, um, a sponsorship proposal, but I got somehow I stumbled on some really, really good data from one of these mobs that you would know. That mm, like do, a Repicom or one of those. Something yeah. like that. Mm, and, mm. I don't know how, but I've come across this really good stuff and I was talking to Mark Scaife. What's it like? Like, like TV figures and yeah, all this sort and of stuff? Okay. demographics yeah, and things yeah, and yeah. words that I didn't understand. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm telling Scaife about it. And uh, I said, would you mind helping me do a... I need to know, do a sponsorship proposal so I can put together an actual document. And I've got these numbers from this mob. And he goes, well, how'd you get that? <laughs> I said, oh, no, I just this, did this, this and this and then here I am, you know. And I remember him being surprised that I had it and he said, oh, I'll, I'll, um, I'll come around and I'll give you a hand. And he, he came to my apartment and awesome. sat down, we had a coffee and he, he wrote the whole thing out by on a, just on a bit of paper with a pen and, and then I trotted off to um, snap printing and got it all printed up with a bunch of photos and, 
Away you went. Away I went, yeah. And then annoyed the heck out of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. The leading to this was the goal was co-drive Bathurst 1000. Yeah, it was, well, it was, um, you know, full time in whatever I can get in. Get in yeah. um, so, you know, if you look at the steps, we've been in Formula Ford, went into, um, well, after Formula Ford, went into super touring with Paul Morris yeah. and had been doing a bit of testing with him, which I should mention, Ian Walburn, Wally. Oh, yeah, Wally, yeah. Been yeah, around yeah. forever. Yeah. Uh, was instrumental in, in that because he was working on the toll team. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, I'd, and when I said you couldn't get laps in a supercar, like I would go to a test day and stand there all day and just hope to get five laps at the end of the day. And sometimes that's all you got. Mm. But you had to keep putting these five laps together mm. until get you had experience. some mm. experience. And, um, and Wally was really, really good. And uh, he actually suggested to Paul to give me an opportunity. Fantastic. Um, and so I'd get, I got quite a bit of testing with Paul in the, in the big Kev case. Yeah, nice. Um, and then, uh, you know, a couple of cool things come out of that. I, uh, we did the Super Touring Championship in the BMWs. Mm. And, um, you had a good battle in Tassie too at Simmons Plains, I think the pair of you did too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. Mm. We, uh, he was in a, a bit later car, but I'd sort of worked out that the brakes were the same. Okay. And, um, and we're swapping the lead and um, we may or may not have had the radios hooked up together as so we were talking <laughs> to each other. <laughs> but... Um, uh, actually, that came later. At Simmons, we didn't, and we um, I worked out how to keep him behind me for a few laps, and then um, I thought, I'm going all right here. I'm going to see if I can win this, and, and uh, obviously, but you got to, you know, the bloke behind me owns the car, yeah. and uh, you got to keep all that in mind, and um, he ended up knocking the rear bumper off the thing at the hairpin, and Wally came on the radio and said, I think that's your sign. <laughs> <laughs> Bumper's dragging off down the road. <laughs> yes, got got the message, Wally. Yeah. Cool cars, though, mate. Super cool. Oh, they're, unbelievable they're, yeah. cars. End, end of their development phase. I mean, they oh, were just unreal, weren't yeah, they? they were, yeah, they were. And even then, I mean, that's 22 years ago mm. and still one of the coolest cars I've ever raced. Mm. And um, we've still got the closest finish in Simmons Plains history there because we went across the line. It's point oh, 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 oh something. Yeah. Um, we went across the line um, virtually dead even and neither of us knew who did win. Awesome. But um, one of the other cool things that come out of that is Kevin Schwantz came and drove with yeah, I remember. Yeah, Paul yeah. in the Queensland 500. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't in the Enduro. Well, I was at Bathurst, but I wasn't in the in, in the 500 that year. Um but they would go testing and I, basically Paul was testing with the new car and mm -hmm. the new VT and um, we had Schwantz in the older car and it was, I was sort of... Um, which, at, which was an XHRT car for memory, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I kind of had the job of even at that early stage of sort of driver coach to get this bloke up to speed and braking markers and so I'd done quite a few laps around Willowbank at that point and so that was... Um, that was a cool moment to um, work with him, work with Schwantz and mm. get to know him. Great guy. Yeah, yeah. great guy. Mm. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> as is you, mate, you've crossed paths with all these people along the way from, I can vividly remember 12-hour kart races where you paired with Paul, Mick Doohan, 
you guys had a team. I think there was the crazy Kiwis, Murph, Andy McElroy, Tim Miles, and I'm missing someone. You, you were in our team. I, I, no, I was up against you. I was with Gary Holt and a few oh, others, right. mate, but yeah. I was the worst. I was the worst. But you, it was all about fun, wasn't it? You got like great people, yeah. good fun. Daz was in it. Daz, that's Darryl, what I missed. Yeah. Daryl Beatty yeah. was in it. Um, where I want to go here now is is uh, let's continue the supercars theme for a moment because as you rightly corrected me on, <clears throat> the the goal is full time driving right. But I want to get to Bathurst first time. What did you think? Where were you? What was the car? And what impression did it leave you with? It was um, it was the the very first one was the big Kev car, um, two thousand with Aaron McGill. So Paul's second car. So it was. Mm. He had uh, Matt Neal actually come to do Bathurst in the main car, or in his car with him. And um, so I'm starting the race. And I remember, I don't think I'd driven one in the wet. And I think the start of the race was, uh, I think it was just wet enough for wets, but um, I, had a, um, I had a door come open or something crazy on the warm-up lap. Uh-huh. It was on the warm-up lap or the... Yeah. Um, I can't remember, but we... Um, what advice were you getting? We, first time in the wet at the mountain and things like that. Oh yeah, it was... Yeah, Paul's obviously there, mm. you know, just take it easy. You okay. know, you're not yeah. here to prove anything. Mm. And uh, which... Yeah, but it was pretty daunting, you know. Sort of 650 horsepower in the rain at that joint. Mm. And um, and you're still trying to just just find your way around the place is mm. one thing. It's mm. much less go fast and... Uh, um, so yeah, it was um, certainly an eye opener. It was you know, and you, you could I'm sure that even uh, Jim Richards would tell you that every time he went there, he learnt something new. Mm. That he probably thought, shit, I wish I knew that the last thirty oh. races I did. Mm. <laughs> but it's just one of those places, isn't it? That um, you just pick up something every single time. time. Yeah. Did you love it? Did you fall in love with it and go, far? This is I, I got to keep doing yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah. Just the whole event and mm. um, uh, you know the. Yeah, just the whole thing is, um, you know, and that tradition of, um, you know, everyone drove to Bathurst because that's what Brock did forever did. ago, you know, mm-hmm. and everyone, uh, the road trip and um, the whole week and the way it all rolled out, it was, um, yeah, no, it was, it was, I do, and I remember, uh, I think I did 12 or 13 Bathurst, but um, it was clear to me, and, and I don't know why, that, that every year I'd be coming down Conrod during the race at some point and pulling six gear down Conrod and and it had come it had just come into my head that how lucky am I? There's only whatever back then I think there was thirty six cars or thirty four, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um sixty blokes or sixty drivers. Sixty mm. odd blokes mm. um in the country or the world getting to do this this weekend and I'm one of them. Mm. Was was pretty cool, pretty pretty uh, pretty special, mate. Is there a race there that stands out for you? I mean, and and extension to that question, <clears throat> there's probably a few deals or potential deals along the way in supercars that almost panned out or came close. They're they're probably worth sharing too, mate. Tell us about that. Yeah, there's um, <clears> or <throat> well, races at Bathurst. There's, there's a couple that. Um and we've all got the wooders, cooders, and shooters. Yeah, I know that's you know. not you, but anyway. But, yeah, yeah. Um, probably o- o- 05 was, um, and you got to remember, back then you could pair your lead guys together. Mm-hmm. 
So you're two lead, you know, your Mark Scaife and Craig Lowndes and Could the whole racing team yeah. are in yeah. one car. And then there's two non-regulars in the second car, unlike today. And um, so they're pretty hard to go up against, those cars. Mm. And uh, um, probably 05 with, um, in the super cheap car at PWR with Nathan Pretty. Yep. So we're both non-regulars. Um, you know, I had... Um, What's his character? What's he go by? Sometimes he's, he's got oh. his... Uh, <laughs> um, uh, um, Randy Corners. Randy Corners. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Love this you, is Randy bit, Corners. This yeah. is pre-Randy, Randy although Corners. we did have a selection of different wigs and, and other things for the, around. For, for the weekend floating around. So, 05 with him, super cheap car. Yeah, yeah. so we... I'm qualifying the thing and uh, it sucks a bolt out of the airbox into the motor on the first lap and um, so we don't get a lap in. Um, so we start um, we start in the pit lane, so obviously come in and top it off with fuel and you're at the back anyway. So um, uh, And we, we drove it all the way to the front and under green. So satisfying. And, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, as non-regulars, mm-hmm. but, you know, and... Um, so and the car was brilliant and uh, really really good. Bryce Seals was the engineer and doing an awesome job, and um, Dave Ward was running the team, yep. doing a great job. It was just a really good group of guys. And uh, but unfortunately, that was the year that um, my mate Murph uh, and Ambrose, and my other mate Ambrose, <laughs> Ambrose. Um, <laughs> we we got towards those later stages, and we were floating around that fourth, fifth, and like shit we just need a bit of luck here and we're in a we're on a podium you know we just need something to happen to someone Mm. and we might be a podium here like we were that close and uh and and i gotta keep saying you know that's when you when you're the non-regular main Mm. car Mm. we were we were really batting above our average really and uh and that's when so we were in that crash with murph and ambrose in that roadblock and bent steering and this and that and whatever and we we wound up six but which was still okay, but when you should have been, you know, yep. a bit further up the road, that was probably, that was a good year, but... Let, let's go the parallel opposite. You have a great relationship with the Kellys now, so I'm not, we're not going to diss that in any way. But you did get to drive for them probably, I may not be articulating this right, but it might be fair to say in a, in a, in a formative phase for the team. So the, the gear was a bit spread out across everybody while everything's building and so on. And you're with Murph. And and I seem to recall he came in after driving the car for the first time there, and, and go. What's what were his debriefs like when he got out of the car? What did he What did he say? Well, I got to say, first of all, Murph's mm. a really good mate. Yes, but um, I say but, <laughs> but and I, and I will say, out of all the blokes up and down the pit lane, um, a lot of blokes won't won't help you that much because mm. you might be a threat or you might become a threat or a lot of blokes won't give you much, you know, in terms of anything that might help you. Did, he help, of, did he help you? Well, ever since I've known him, he's done nothing but help. And it, not just me. And he's just one of those, um, you know, you see the angry side of him as well from time to time. But he's... It's actually he's, passionate more than anything else, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's it's, what it is, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, um, he's so competitive and mm. passionate. and um, But... You're right. Um, <laughs> feedback of um, G Murphy, <laughs> the car is effed, is, and slamming the door is um, not helpful. 
Let's decode that, boys. I think that's three rounds of bump out of the front shock and lose a bit of roll centre in the back, probably five mil. Good to go. You know, and... Uh, but we... I remember we were at Bathurst and... Um, he goes out and does first practice, comes in. I'm, I'm standing there about to jump in. And he gets out and he's, his hands are shaking. <laughs> and he goes, good fucking luck with that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, way to fill me with confidence. confidence. <laughs> Thanks. Good on you, mate. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, get in and go. Amazing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, no, it was, it was really cool to do Bathurst with, with Matt, him. But, yeah. Um, what about, the, what about the drive that got away, mate? Am I right in saying that maybe there might have been a gig with FBR at one point in time and trying to stitch that together? I'm, I'm, I'm maybe not joining the dots quite right here. Probably one. I don't. I try not to have any Think regrets or mm. try not to mm. go, I would have, could have, should have, what mm. made a different decision. But um, probably one was uh, in well, 02, I guess I uh, was. I drove with Glenn Seaton. It was the last year of Glenn Seaton Racing. Um and for the Holden bosses at the time, we should point out that uh, when the, at Bathurst, um, when I got sick, and uh, and they put David Bernard in the car, mm. they all thought um, this was actually this was a real um, kick in the guts for me because I was genuinely sick and unable to drive the car. Okay, and I'll. And it just just fill that backstory for people that don't know. How were you crook? What what was wrong? So with I'm you? driving. I'm in the Ford Credit Car single mm. car team with mm. Glenn Seaton. Um, David Bernard was the driving the Caltex car. Mm-hmm. He had Wayne Gardner driving with him yep. in, as a co-driver. Yep. Stone Brothers, and so obviously both Ford back uh, factory Ford back teams. Um, and I guess it was the Thursday night. I remember walking down through the back of the pits this is pre the new pits at bathurst mm-hmm. and everyone everyone had their own little sheds sort of spread Tucked out, out the back out the yeah. back mm-hmm. and um mm-hmm. uh and there's no no one had trainers and dietitians and chefs and you're on your own mm-hmm. like i think glenn that year and i'm not this is not nothing against glenn no it's just how it was at the it's time just how really. it was he mm-hmm. said he rang me up one day he says you going to the gym yeah okay good like that was it okay <laughs> Okay, well, he's doing that. We're ticked. Yeah, 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 yeah. and um, and that was it. You know, like, and so, and I was still. I think that was only my well, sort of third Bathurst, I guess. Mm. And uh, you're still learning all these without any help. You, you're learning all that. You know, hydration and um, eating correctly and all these things. You just don't know. Mm. And how it much has come a long way, mate? Hasn't oh, it? all that stuff massively, yeah, massively, yeah. and um, but. Not suggesting I'd done anything wrong, but I remember I had a ham and cheese sandwich, which you would think would be pretty safe. Mm. And I'm walking down the thing, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, shit, I'm going to throw up. Like, it just hit me. It was food poisoning. And I threw up right there in between those trailers. And uh, he, he always had the house outside turn one there on, at Bathurst. Yeah. Mm. And so the whole next day, I'm over there throwing up and on a drip. And... You know, they've got a doctor coming and checking and uh, on me and so on. And if you remember back, um, you had to have your, I think it was Friday lunchtime, was it? You had to have Cut your, off. Mm. Remember you used to cross-enter everybody mm. Mm. in case you wanted to swap your drivers around and whatever? Um, well, 
Gardner went out in in practice and had done a brake pad change. But didn't it pump the pedal didn't up. Didn't pump pedal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And proceeded turn, turn to knock two. the wall down at turn mm. two and mm. wrote the car off. So here they are in a, and I can understand their situation. They're, they're going, well, you got a bloke on a drip over there that can't keep anything down, and we've got our factory guy here with nothing to do because his car's been written off. Mm. And um, to his credit, Glenn came to me and said, what do you want me to do? And he's, you know, what do I do? And I said, well, do what you got to do. Um, you know, I can't, you know, he's, well, you're gonna be, do you reckon you'll be right tomorrow? Well, I can't really answer it, can I? I mean, mm. you want to say yes, but you don't want to let him down either. And, um, you know, so the writing was on the wall. They had to do, you know, they're going to have to put Bernard in the car. And so then what, and I didn't see this coming, and it was bitterly disappointing that, so straight away, because remember, the, at those times, you're in the thick of the Ford versus Holden thing. Yep. It was as big as it had ever Fever been. Fever pitch rivalry. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. And so Holden jumped straight on that and tried to stop it from happening, going, no, 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 that's all bullshit. They just want to put Bernard in the car because he's their, you know, one of their guns. And, um, uh, and basically that it was, which put me in a bad light mm. that I'm getting parked to the side just because Bernard's got nothing to do. And that wasn't the case. Mm. And um, so that was, um, that was pretty disappointing. And uh, so to, you know, to back up Glenn and that how, you know, because if I got put to the side, I wouldn't hang around, would I? No. You'd, mm. be, uh, you'd be giving him the bird and see you later. Mm. Um, and uh, so I stayed on Sunday. I was in the pits all day in there with him. And... Um, yeah, and it's nice. Glenn's come out since in, in his book, I think, or in a podcast or something, and said that one of his biggest regrets was making that decision and putting Bernard in the car. He's a beautiful guy, though, so he clearly had a tough time doing it, mate, didn't he? So, so um, uh, yeah, that's what happened with, um, with that one. But, um, but getting back to the FPR drive um the next year uh i was i hadn't signed to do the enduros with anybody mm. and i had the ride in the smith trucks car mm -hmm. and um robert smith mm -hmm. yeah and, and um ryan mcleod was running the car and he rings me up he's like right what we're gonna do i'm taking you and steve on we're going to winton we're having a shootout <laughs> and whoever's the fastest gets the drive I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> no worries. Oh, uh, that's interesting. Haven't, haven't, uh, hasn't been done like that before, before. with me. But um, so we go up there and I'm thinking, shit, what's the right strategy here? Do I go first, put the pressure on, or do I wait and see what he does and then try to beat that? Or <laughs> And uh, I finangled it, so I went first. I thought, oh, no, I think that's the, the strategy here, to try and lay a lap down and... Um, it was literally a one-lap shootout. And uh, I think we got to have a bit of a practice on some old tyres. We got, you know, might have got five or ten laps each. And then it was literally... On. Right. You got a lap. Going, whoever's the fastest gets this gig for the year. And um, luckily, um, I managed to squeak out a decent lap and beat him. But um, we went to Adelaide. And 
it was only Ryan was literally the only guy on the car, and with a with a bit of help, not that I was much help, but with a bit of help from me. Mm. And I remember we went to we were late getting a it was an ex Murphy Gibson car, car, yeah. Kmart um, thing, yeah. and or Wins, sorry. Yeah. We went to Winton and tested this new steering rack, and then uh, we had to go literally from Winton straight to Adelaide for the the race, uh, Clipsal. Yeah. And that was Mark Winterbottom's first year, so he's there in a full blown Stone Brothers car. Mm-hmm. Um, and we put it on pole, and um, straight after qualifying, um, I think it was after qualifying or after the race, I think it was after qualifying, someone from Stone Brothers came down and, and said, um, we want to offer you an enduro gig. So they had Ambrose and Bernard mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I'm there with uh, i said to glenn seaton what do you think and um he said no 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 you gotta stay with that he's a F, you know it sold yeah. the team it's fpr now yeah. their first year um david flint was running it and he's like no no no, we're gonna go to three cars and we want you to be in the third car and so on and so forth that that never At never that stage, eventuated yeah. or yeah. sorry fourth yeah. car i think it was yeah. um so i stayed and um with fpr for the enduros and um uh, no, sorry, it was Ingle and Ambrose at Stone Brothers, Brothers then. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yep. Because Bernard was at FPR yeah. in his first year. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I stayed and well, I signed with FPR later that day. Mm. And um, uh, anyway, uh, that's one that I just go, oh, probably should have gone with Stone, Stone Brothers. Brothers. They were in the, right in the, yeah. you know. Purple patch, a good, yeah, good phase. Yeah, yeah. 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 but yeah. anyway. Only me again. Okay, we're off to America next. Let's fly. At what point does the idea of going to America and maybe chasing something there kick in? What what was the catalyst? When did you decide that? When did that happen? It was the day that Marcus announced that he was going to the truck series. Okay. And do you know? Can can I can I rewind a little story here? Because you've you've uh, joined the dots with Lee Diffie at one point, spent a bit of time with him in America and so on. Diff came into our uh, our compound at the Australian Grand Prix in 2005, so Formula One, earlier in the year, like like March or whatever it would have been, and they'd got a whiff of Marcus contemplating this. And he was dispatched to go and interview Marcus about it. And... So in the course of the interview, he asks the question, you know, like I, there is some talk about this, and to his credit, Marcus answered it. He didn't, he didn't dodge it. He he answered it. I think Brett Murray, a PR man and Speed Cafe and what have you, kind of cornered Diff afterwards and said, "Mate, like three people in the world knew about mm. <laughs> knew about that mm. kind of deal," and that then started the story. And it was a really long year for him, mate. It was hard because everyone knew that he was going to ultimately go and. I think Coco was a bit miffed that the champion was going to leave and all of these yeah. all of these things, mate. But so at somewhere around this point of the Grand Prix, you obviously get wow, okay. As much as I um, love NASCAR, and but it was just a wouldn't say it was a pipe dream, but it was just I couldn't see a way of. Um, it seemed NASCAR had this reputation back in certainly 
90s and early 2000s been a closed shop good old boys hard to break in hard yeah. to break in it's just the southern blokes and you know and um and when and i guess because um uh marcus and i raced carts as little kids in tassie and you know he went off to europe and did all did amazing things and then came back and did amazing things in touring cars so i'm um I guess because I've got a, I had a, um, well, if you can do it, if you can, can do, do that, I need to have a look at this. I'm not mm. suggesting I was as good as Marcus or anything like that, but um, he's streets above me. But uh, I thought, well, if you can do that. Um, That's your dream, it's not, mate. You, it's you, not a closed shop. Mm. And um, so, yeah, it was at that point that I was like, right. But I still didn't. I didn't have a plan or didn't know, but it just made me... And then I'm like, right. So I kept a really close eye on what he was doing and... and um, Robert Presley, the people he was hanging around with and learning yeah, from. So, and, yeah, yeah, so I went... He did the first year in 06 in the trucks and his timing was... Um, uh, whether it was by design or not, it was really good because it was right before the GFC. And they had a push for diversity and things like that. They had a program, didn't they? they had diversity. So, they had, uh, all the manufacturers had... Um, um, That's right. Ford got involved, didn't they? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, mm. they had, um, you know... Um, uh, I forget what they called like it. Develop, development deals. Mm. Mm. And um, to get young blokes through and, and so on. And uh, there, there was a lot of that going on. And... Um, so he got in on that program with Ford and um, so he did that first year in the trucks and then um, I went to the Daytona 500 in uh, 07, so February 07, mm -hmm. it was his first nationwide race. So I went to that to, to, you know, obviously watch him, see that, see the Daytona 500, all of that and um, went down after the race and... Uh, and I remember he got out, and a bit like Murph at Bathurst, he, he, was, he was like this. He said, mate, Shaking. That, that was the craziest thing I've ever done. Wow. And, which you can understand. That, yeah, yeah. Because the year before, they, hadn't, they didn't approve him to do super speedways. And, um, and that is some insane stuff. Mm. And um, he did really well. And he was with a um, mid-pack, mid mm -hmm. a bit better than mid-pack team mm -hmm. at the time. And... Um, and he told me that uh, Robert Presley was his driver coach. And I'm like, oh, the, like the old cup driver, Robert Presley, which mm. I knew who Robert mm. was. And he's like, yeah. And I said, well, what about these late models? I've been reading about the asphalt late models, like what, what you call a NASCAR late model. Mm -hmm. and, um, and he said, oh, Robert's got a couple of those. You should talk to him. And uh, so he um, introduced me to him and he said, oh, you know, come and see me and we'll work something out. He said, I've been wanting to put together a bit of a program that I can, you know, rent out this car. Mm -hmm. And um, all very loose. And yeah. very and Roberts is as southern as they get. Yeah, yeah. And, um, can you impersonate him? Impersonate him. What would he say to you? What would he say to you? Come on, come on. Well, I've got a good impersonation of him <laughs> at the first race. Okay, okay. I'll, okay. I'll do, do, do that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, so I, I'd planned to, I think I, I hadn't planned to go to Charlotte. Um, in this trip, but I quickly changed that and drove from Daytona to Charlotte and then up to Asheville where he lives. 
And Which is a beautiful part. I mean, Charlotte is a beautiful part of the world, mate. So yeah, anyway, keep... keep what's, is, that, what's that drive time, Daytona to Charlotte? How long does that take oh, you? Oh, it'd be a good 12 or 14 <laughs> hours. It was decent. Okay, yeah. so you change yeah. and off you go. Yeah, yeah. and um, so we drive up there and it's, um, and it's full days of thunder. The house is on the hill. Yeah. The shop's over the road down here. And awesome. it's full old school yeah. and... Great family, like just fantastic people. And he's, you know, where are you staying? I said, I'll just find a motel around the corner, you know. No, 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 you come and stay with us. You know, so here I am sleeping in Robert's basement. Just can't Amazing. believe it, you know. Mm-hmm. And he wants to put together this deal and rent out this car and um, have a bit of a development program in a late model. But he's never done it, doesn't, not sure how he's going to do it. But, and so this is February, and he's, so we work out that, all right, I'll come back in May and we'll do these four races. Mm. Um, and I'm, he's, his son Coleman races as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's now uh, Joey Logano's spotter. <laughs> and Coleman's a really good racer. Mm-hmm. Hasn't raced for several years, and just the other day he jumped in a late model at Hickory and won the Fall Brawl, which is a big race there. And, um, but... So we organise, he's emailing me all these race dates, you know, where do you want to go? And I'm like, I don't know, I don't know anything about it. I don't know. The tracks. The I don't know anything <laughs> about where I should go and do these short tracks. I mean, I can talk to you about Darlington and Daytona and mm. Martinsville, but I don't know, Hickory and Tri-County and... Mm. How, when you say they're tiny, small, small... What, yeah, what, what, like what, half what, miles, quarter miles, awesome. all little mm. little stuff. And like Hickory's been there since 1948, mm. you know, and um, so... We, um, I go back in May and he's got this car ready and he's like, all right, well, um, we'll go and do a test and then we'll, we'll go to Tri-County first because it's probably a bit easier to get around than Hickory. And uh, we go and do the test and I feel pretty comfortable. And there's people, I'll tell you what I learned. People say, you know, people that don't know racing say, well, it can't be that hard to drive around an oval, right? Oh all you got to do is turn left. Mm. Well... Yeah, you're right. It's not that hard. So how hard do you reckon it is then to be the best at it? Because you, you go from circuit racing, you talk in tenths. They talk in hundreds. That's, yeah. And yeah. because the margins are just so narrow. and Bit of black art in it too, mate, isn't oh, there? Yeah. there? Mm, mm. And, uh, you know, Robert would be running around with the tyre pyro and he's like, how's it feel? And I'm like, I'm loose. And he's like, hmm, well, this is telling me you're tight. <laughs> you know, reading the tyres. <laughs> and we were both right in that I was loose, but the tyres were saying in 150 laps, you'll you're not good. going to be able to turn this thing because okay. you're going to be tight based off these temps. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way, you know, the way the car was working and all. And um, so it was insane to learn that. But we went to the first race and um, so Robert's on the on the cans as a spotter. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm feeling like I'm under pressure because I got this cup driver, and back in the in the eighties particularly, like in the uh, what was the Bush series? If you mm. want to win a Bush series race, you had to beat Robert Presley, Presley. first, yeah. you know. And yeah. he just dominated that stuff. Mm. And um, and uh, and this you know big guy out of the mountains that would just tear your head off in a heartbeat if you <laughs> needed to. And uh, so it was pretty intimidating, you know. And um, but a great honour at the same time. Oh though, yeah, you know, and mm. and a great bloke, you mm. know, really really good people. And so we're in this f- first race. I think it was 100, 150 laps, and um, summer night, you know, really hot. And Tri County, it's around the bottom, around this fence, and this little concrete wall around the bottom. And it's where you need to be. 
and uh, some guy he's spotting, you know, and I'm learning all this lingo. <laughs> and like what? What do they say? Come on, you know, like just like all right, you know, he's looking, he's looking inside, inside, or, <laughs> you know, and just all the different um, different things that they're trying to yeah, the terminology yeah. and trying to understand the southernness. Like he's just so southern. Mm. And um, beautiful. Mm. There's this one dude I can't remember who it was, but he's he's got me jacked up a couple of times, and he's hitting me and knocking me sideways. And this is going on for thirty laps. Well, now I've had enough. You know, I'm like I'm not pulling over for him, but he's um, like probably I should have been getting out of the way and worrying about him later. But I'm mm. I'm in there racing like it's three to go. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and um and Robert's not telling me like all right, just let him go. He's like you're good, just keep doing what you're doing. And then in the end, I'm like. Um, I'm like, Robert, who's, who's hitting us? I'm starting to get frustrated. Know, frustrated <laughs> and I'm probably raising my voice a bit, you know, and I'm like, who's into us? You know, I'm probably starting to talk a bit faster as well and um, he just stops talking. And I'm like, is the radio working? Nothing, you know, and uh, get going green again and this bloke's into me again, you know, and I'm like, who is that? Because <laughs> I'm going to launch this guy when I find him if, if he gets past me. And uh, he's like, I come in after the race. I think we finished, um, I don't know, fifth or sixth or something. Good I was start. really, really happy yeah, with yeah. it. And, uh, and he was happy. And Because um, a lot of people, they look at you like, how could a guy from Australia possibly know anything about driving around an oval mm. in a stock car? Because mm. um, they don't know what we've got here or, you know, mm. it just seems so foreign that mm. someone... You are might, an alien, mate. You're, you're an, an alien. You're an alien. Yeah. Mm. And, um, and he said, uh, I said, hey... Um, what happened to the radio, Robert? We the radio stopped working. Well, Owen, you're just like Marcus. You get excited. I can't understand a damn word you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah, okay, cool. So you just stopped talking. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> just gave up. In the heat. Yeah, in the heat of it all. Yeah, he's like, oh, whatever. You, you, you'll be all right. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Yeah. So that's so, your entree. That's your entree. Yeah, so we, we, we had this, um, we're going to do like Tri-County Friday, Hickory Saturday, and we're going to do that um, over a week and a half. and Or it might have been over a couple of weeks, but yeah. we're going to do four races. And, and this is his first time doing this, right? So yeah. we went to Hickory for the first time, and um, there was a wreck ahead of me on the start, and I got in it, knocked the radiator out of it, knocked the nose off it, and... Um, you know, whether I was too eager or probably, I don't think I could have avoided it, but anyway, it was what it was. Mm. And um, it was quite a bit of work to do and um, Robert wasn't ready to, uh, you know, we just weren't going to be ready to make that last race and I got a flight home booked, you know. And um, so he rang me a couple of days out and he said, and I was going back and forth from Asheville with, with Marcus and I was, uh, Marcus has taken me around, um some of the other shops and you know trying to get something going but mm -hmm. they don't know you so they just give you the price yep no worries mm. bring two million and you're on all that kind of thing you know mm. and so oh well and um so all of that seemed you know it was a bit of a pipe dream and then um he said oh, i've organized your ride for saturday night um it's a black 87 <laughs> uh just turn up with your gear the boys will be there this is a bit like old school sprint car stuff where the, where, where the dudes would turn up with helmet hoping to get a ride. The teams would be looking for a ride and away you go. Exactly right. And um, uh, so I uh, turned up to Hickory and um, 
I was staying at my buddy Jamie Coates' house and on on this particular night and he was away, he was working for Penske on the IndyCar and um, he was away racing so I'm at his house by myself and I've just got a rental car and throw my bag in and drive up to Hickory and like, it's just helmet the and bag, that's helmet, it. Helmet bag and just yeah. rock up there and I walk in and I'm waiting at the, um, I'd say the pit gate but they don't have a pit gate, there's just no gate, okay. you just hit the end of the fence <laughs> and I'm waiting, waiting there for this, they had USAC midgets, pavement midgets out there yeah. and it was a black 87, wasn't it? Black, it 87, black 87, and I wait for this session to finish, and I cross the track, and I'm walking up and down the pit lane, I'm looking at all these cars, can't find it, and I hear this Aussie voice, like, hey, what are you doing? And I turn around, and it's Stephen Graham. Oh, fantastic. And so yeah. Barry and Stephen were still living over there, and they were running a few of these USAC midgets, mm-hmm. and... Um, I said, I'm looking for this black 87 that I'm driving. <laughs> I, I don't know where it is. I said, I'll talk to you later, you know. I find it round the back somewhere and here's these guys and and they're like, these these dudes look like bikies. They got tats down to their wrists and rough as the owner wasn't there. And uh forty degree night. It's forty degrees and and I'm like, Oh hey, uh yeah, I'm I'm your driver, I think, you know, and they're like, Yeah, yeah, jump in, just seatbelts, you know, and this thing looked rough and but it drove awesome and um you finished third, I think, didn't you? We, yeah, we, we finished third in the race, which was awesome. And uh, Coleman and Coleman Presley ended up winning the race in his car, mm-hmm. um, and uh, which that that was cool. And then um, it was just got out, got changed. Um, Thanks, boys. You know, shook hands and and left. Crazy, know? crazy. Yeah. Years later, you would be at a wedding, I think, in Charlotte. And join some dots. The team owner was yeah. on the table with you or something, wasn't he? Yeah, that's right. We were at this wedding of a friend, one of Whitney's friends, and um, and he's uh, he said, "What did you used to do?" And I'm telling him, he's like, "I think you drove my car once." And, ah, yeah, I did too. Yeah, it turns out it was one of the best late models that I drove in the whole time I was there. But yeah, how much did that that light the fire for you, mate? I mean, this is. What you'd read magazines about. This is yeah. you know, classic old, you know, old school racing that you you, you love. That it, it was, it was. I went home and I thought, I mean, that deal with Robert. Like I had to buy a few tyres, and that was about it, you know. And um, um, you know, he's such a nice bloke that uh, it took me six months to get him to tell me how much a radiator was. I said, I got to at least pay for that radiator. You know, I knocked the radiator out of it. Let me at least pay for that. Mm. And, oh, yeah, you know, I don't know, it'll be all right, you know. And um, it just, I went home thinking, Marcus and I had been around a bunch of teams, and because they don't know you at that point, that you're just another. No, you know, trying to get a drive. Yeah, yeah. just mm. join the queue. Mm. And I actually went home and thought, um, that was good fun, but, you know, it's probably not going to happen. And I think I come back, we did. Um, I had a ride with FPR in the Enduros. Mm-hmm. Um, I drove with Terry Wyhoon at, um, in the... I was supposed to do two races with Terry Wyhoon in the Development Series mm-hmm. or Fujitsu series, series, I think it was yeah. by then. Yeah. Um, so we did those and um, that all went really good and we, we won that race in the rain from the pit lane and now I'm back on to, right, trying to be trying to get a full-time supercar ride. Mm-hmm. So the American thing's probably unlikely. Um, but it was a great experience. Great right? experience. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And then uh, did the Enduros. Um, 
ran third at Sandown with Richo, which was which was great. But that's massive. Don't understate that for a moment. Like that's that's cool. Yeah, Richo's no, a was, good bloke who you rate. Yeah, and, yeah, you know. yeah. And another guy that was really good to me in the early days, Dose. like mm. helping out with any advice or mm. anything that. As is his way, mate. Yeah, yeah he is. Mm. Yeah, mm. and um, anyway, so you thought you thought America may have been just a. a Part-time thing. You might go back and have a bit of fun, but yeah. it wasn't necessarily an objective. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, I think it was just before Bathurst or just after. There was a couple. There was three races, I think, after Bathurst mm-hmm. that year. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Morris rang and said, "Oh, can you drive the other car?" Coulthard had been in it up until then. I'm mm-hmm. not sure what happened there, but he said, "Can you do these three races in this second car?" I'm like, "Yeah, I can do that." And then. Um, uh, I think it was Bahrain, Indy, and Phillip Island. Phillip Island. Hmm. Well, just before Phillip Island, um, Dale Jr. I heard that Dale Jr. was coming with a bunch of his buddies and going to do Phillip Island. Going to come to Phillip Island, doing a Chevy Camaro release or something, and then um, coming to the race. And I thought, and I'd been to the shop at Junior Motorsports, saw that got a bunch of late models, and there's plenty going on there. And um, but you know, over there. You, you're not going to get within five miles of the bloke. Mm-hmm. And, um, he wasn't hooked up with anybody coming into Phillip Island, was he? But you made it, a kind of, among others probably, but you made it a mission to meet him, get to know him, as is your way, mate. Well, after all that stuff in May and talking to all them teams and all that, thought, right, here's an opportunity that, one, he's got late models. We just did some of that. Um, here's an opportunity to corner him for... A chat at least you know and um with paul's help you know we um we so they, they come to phillip island and he said oh um i said look just hang out with us we'll show you we'll show you we'll just show you yeah. show you around all that and so they did the race and then um went to the gold coast and then um uh, he wanted to have a driver car so this is a great story for one quick second here yeah because Russell's at one end of the pit lane at, at Willowbank or Queensland Raceway announcing maybe that he was moving to Super Cheap Auto with, with Paul or something or other. Yeah. So, so the press are all down that end, but you're up with the car at the other end. And, and they Dale, think I'm testing. And, and Dale's in your suit or something, is that right? He's in, yeah, they think I'm <laughs> testing and he does. He's in my helmet, my suit, and he does... I don't know, 120 laps right under their nose, and they don't even know. (laughs) Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. That was a good... So uh, you're getting to know him more at this phase. Had you had a conversation about late models? So it was actually at the end of that test day, and we were were going to have a beer on the Gold Coast, and I said, now what about all these late models? What's going on there? And he said, oh, yeah, we do this, and we... You know, these cars are mine, and this guy, he owns his car, but he runs it out of my place because I like him, and he... Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, and I help him or whatever, and um, and I said, "You got any? Um, have you got any open seats?" And he looked at me like, "What? You'd come and do that?" And I said, "Yeah, in a heartbeat." And uh, he said, "So you'd stop doing this to come and do that?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, no problem. If you've got an open one, I'll be there. I'll be there tomorrow." Hmm. And uh, he didn't know I didn't have anything for next year. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but he said, "Oh, I'll check with my sister, and you know, we'll." Well, uh, let me ring her tonight and we'll, we'll see what's going on. And then um, he said, you sure about that? He said, you've got to work on it. You've got to wash the truck. You've got to build the shocks. You've got to fix the car. The only thing you don't do is build the engine. And I said, of course, I just said yes to everything. And um, as you would, worry totally. about it later. Totally. And, uh, and yeah, and then um, so we, we did that deal and then um, had to go through the process of getting a visa and 
and all the paperwork, which was like a three-month exercise and um, to get all that happening. And then um, um, went over there and away we went. Amazing. We're going to bounce around a little bit here because this is a great chapter, mate. Firstly, in the midst of driving for him, you have some success with him. I want you to tell this story better than I will, I will tell it. But you, you win a race, you ring him to tell him, that you'd won a race and he goes how the hell did you do that kind of thing I'm not, I, forgive me I can't do his accent well enough um, get, get in your car come back and have a beer with me and tell me how you did that now he's, he's messaged us for this pod and he loves that story he wants to know even now how you did that yeah so you know back then um, their late model team now it's a real powerhouse mm-hmm. and um, back then I it, to me, it was like, uh, I think he's um, he's running this like his dad made him do it. Mm-hmm. and um, Because it was early days kind of thing. It was early. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And so he had um, sort of three cars that he owned mm-hmm. and then um, a couple of others that, that ran out of there that, were, that mm-hmm. he helped. And so there's five cars all up in that first year. And... Um, we concentrated on on a particular track championship in Virginia at Motor Mile, mm-hmm. and which at you know in that year they that was regarded as the toughest weekly show. And Philip Morris, who was a, a multi-time national champion, he ran there every week. And mm-hmm. so if you can hang with Philip Morris, you were okay. you were doing something, you know. And um, uh, so we we concentrated on going up there, and then. Um, I think we ran up there, you know, 18 times or something just Crazy. at that track. And then... Did you go testing once on your own? Like you packed the car and you went up on your yeah. own. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd, we'd often go up there the day before and um, and just try a couple of things. You didn't have lots of tyres or anything, but you just try a couple of things and then just get a motel and race the next night. But, yeah. And um, uh, this one week, he's... Um, and you got to remember, this is... What, what people see now, they see... Um, Jovial Dale Jr. and uh, podcasts and media podcasts and, and <laughs> oh yeah, I'm available to do that. Yeah, I mean he's on the Kentucky Derby and he's on this and he's on the Olympics and, and he's gin and all he's sorts everywhere. of yeah, yeah, and uh, well, I had the original Dale Jr. Nocturnal, didn't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> you know, you never knew what you were going to get. Okay, sometimes. And, and you lived, you lived there, mate, didn't you? you yeah, lived on the, yeah, on the, on the farm, on the farm. Yeah, yeah. and um. So I, I feel like I had the uh, the original version, uh-huh. and um, current version's still good. But that's oh pretty, yeah, pretty no, cool. don't, don't get me wrong. No, 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 no. It's yeah. all come good for yeah, him. But yeah. but um, and it wasn't bad. It was just um, you know the, he'd been through a lot. He had a lot on his shoulders. It wasn't that many years after hmm. his dad passed away, and like, they just got this behemoth of a business around them. And he's trying to grab, grapple, grapple with all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and. Mm. It was just literally um, someone said, or the, someone did a T-shirt or something one day. Uh, we did a Wrangler ad, Wrangler jeans ad, and he got a couple of us and we're, you know, if you squint your eyes and you're for extras. a quarter of a second, I'm in there somewhere. <laughs> but, you know, and they, they, the guys made this T-shirt, if Dale Jr. wins, America wins. And it was actually true. Like everything just was... Because um, he was so big, mate. Yeah, yeah. it's just mm. mega. Mm. And... Um, so anyway, so so you're you're driving for him. You go up testing on your own. Oh, so he he, he said to me, um, "What's on this week?" You know, and I said, "Well, we're going to Motor Mile. Are you testing on Friday?" No, I can't because Ace that used to help me. I had one guy that helped me, Ace. and <laughs> Ace was um, 
Ace had something on. It was the one weekend he missed, you know, and, and Dale Jr. was sort of half grumpy and pissed off, you know. So, well, you don't need no one to go testing with him. And, and, uh, okay. And like, yeah, okay. So I took that literally. <laughs> and, um, come Friday, I loaded that thing up and, you know, in a fifth wheel trailer with a winch, you can pull your pit cart in and pull the car in by yourself. Yeah. And, um, I rocked up to Motor Mile and rolled the car out and, um, there's another couple of teams there. I'm like, hey, man, do you mind just putting my window net up when I come past? You know, and I'd go out and bust off some laps and then jump out real quick and pyro the tyres, leave my helmet on and just pyro the tyres, have a quick look, see what's happening, maybe mm. slide a sway bar in and try that and just trying a few things and spent the day there. And then uh, a couple of those guys come down like, yeah, you okay? Yeah, why? Well, why are you by yourself? <laughs> uh I haven't really thought about that. Yeah, um, no, no, I'm good. Yeah, no, we're good. No probs. All right. So then um, got back that night. He's like, where you been? Well, I went testing. What, by by yourself? Yeah. Well, shit, I was only joking. (laughs) You didn't seem like you were joking. But you win win a race, mate, and it blew him away, didn't it? Yeah, so it was, you know, there was... Don't, I don't want to, I'm not downplaying what we had because no. it was great, but the cars were four or five years old. It wasn't, um, you know, it was all to a strict budget and uh, it was um, run out of the nationwide shop with the NASCAR. So mm-hmm. um, there was a few swerves there on the budget. You, know, but you, you had a great relationship with the parts guy, didn't you? You, you needed to have a great relationship <laughs> with the parts guy. Tell this story. This is yeah. good. What did you do? So Sawmill was the parts Sawmill. guy, and um, uh, you know, so each it was basically like a walking into a you know a super cheap store yeah. up at the counter. Uh, Sawmill, I need a, I need this, and I need one of these and two of those, and that went against your budget, mm-hmm. you know. And so the bean counters could keep track of it because you know the size of those teams that that parts counter, that's the epicenter of those businesses. It's a big business, mate. Get away from them Mm. so fast Mm. Mm. if they didn't have control of it. (laughs) So you figure out. (laughs) So, uh, you know, you you make Sawmill your new best friend and um, Sawmill, I need one of these. That's for the five car, you know. (laughs) Sawmill, I need one of these for the 88 car. And, uh, yeah, we, we might have moved a few parts around a few different cars just to make it all right. And but, you came um, in under budget, mate, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, they're like, geez, he hasn't spent much money this year <laughs> at the end. Awesome. But, no, we went to – so they have, uh, you know, your track championships through the year, and then at the end of the year they have a bunch of big races, you know, Martinsville, Carraway. Um, there's, there's a bunch of big paying races or big paying for those cars and where you'll get everybody come to them or, or – more than usual and um so we'd done the track championship at motor mile and then um there was a 10 grand to win show at caraway so we went to that and they put me i was in the i was in a um ironically and this wasn't by this was sheer chance it was a 73 when i oh, got wow. there and he allowed me to change the 73 to be the same as uh dad's, dad's. font mm-hmm. if you like mm-hmm. and um i showed it to him he said yeah that's cool i like that yep and we ran that and but towards the end of the year, um, Martin Truex's cousin Curtis was in the 88 and um, uh, he'd been let go and they needed to finish X amount of races on in that car and they put me in that car. And um, so we're in the, in the 88 and um, 
we went there and uh, it was there was 45 cars showed up and they were going to take 32 or something for the race. So the top 16 in qualifying are locked in and then it went to heat races after that. Got to get a spot in the 16. Yeah, so you got to those heat races just turn into demo derbies. derbies and mm. so you um, we squeaked in 15th. We qualified 15th and it was like, Phew. but it was a yeah, it was a little half mile. Um, reasonably flat sort of a track um, been there since the 50s asphalt's worn out and uh, it's 250 lap race so it's at halfway you could put two tyres on anywhere you wanted to put them um, and that was it you know and so no there's no pit st- you know green flag pit stops or anything like mm-hmm. that they just put tyres on at halfway and um, yeah so we qualified 15th and we just you know first half we're like alright we'll just just work our way forward just try and pick them off one at a time and um, and we got to it was coming down to the end and we got to third actually got to third by halfway and then it's like oh, we're in good shape here you know car's turning really well everything's working really good and um, we got um, got going in the second half and we went back to fifth or sixth or something and then got back to third and really good on a long run and the two leaders were side by side and it's coming down like 10 to go and I'm like something's going to happen here and they hold me up I'm there but just waiting, waiting. for something to happen. Mm. He just tracks mm. blocked, basically. And uh, we ended up, I think it was, we're coming around to, it was two to go. And the, the wall used to stick out a little bit at turn four there, mm-hmm. if you weren't careful. I found that out the next time we went there. And um, But uh, the leaders got together in four. One bounced off the wall and he came down and hit the other guy and it flattened his right rear tyre and, and he sort of went to the bottom and, it slowed them both down and I sort of shut one eye and squinted the other and stayed in the gas and thought, well, I'm just going to shoot the gap in the middle. You can drive through it, cool. And, <laughs> yeah. and um, it was Matt McCall, who's one of the best late model guys over there. Yeah. Um, he's now Brad Kozlowski's crew chief, actually. And There's uh, been a bit of talk on socials about him recently. I think, wasn't there, that he could still do some good things? And oh, yeah, blah, blah, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I got, got to his left rear, got clear of the guy on the inside, got to his left rear and you know had my elbows out a little bit getting into one and sent him up the hill a little bit and then come off two and the yellow come out and we're in the lead amazing and uh and i thought shit we're looking good here this Mm. is um this is working out really well but now i've got a restart and i've got matt mccall on me yeah and uh which would be in late model land that's like um you know, having a restart with Shane Van Gisbergen. On wow, you. wow. Um, so pressure's on. Mm. And uh, so what does this genius go and do on the restart? I sort of half do a misshift <gasps> on, the, on the restart. And, and I thought, well, he's going he's gonna to get me going into one and um, just send me up the hill mm-hmm. or spin me whatever it takes for 10 grand. So I drove it. Uh, it was right on me and I just drove it so deep into one that I went up the hill anyway and he went further up the hill because he missed me and if I hadn't sort of got in there that deep I was gone for all money and then um, managed to get off too and and uh, keep the lead and um, just just had to finish three and four off and we won the race yeah (laughs) 
That's the end of part two of my podcast with Owen Kelly. He's been good enough to take time out from TEH and the family's transport industry commitments to give us a longer chat for you to enjoy over the festive season. When you're ready, there's a third instalment. We don't often do that, but it's all loaded up and good to go right now. From meeting a legend like Bobby Allison, working with fellow Tasmanian Marcus Ambrose and subbing for him, nearly getting stranded in Montreal, getting to drive Jimmy Johnson's car under a veil of secrecy. Great story, that. Plus, outlaw carts and the potential next-generation Kelly races and a whole lot more.